welcome into episode seven of Survivor at Home, the podcast where we talk everything from Survivor at Home, the game that has been created, to Survivor season 41, which has been so exciting this season so far. And today is no different. In fact, probably even more than in past weeks, episode seven. So I want to welcome you in. My name is Jordan. I'm here with my co-host, Andrew, as uh, with every week. And Andrew, what an episode we saw this week. And Insanity. 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 And we are excited to welcome in our guests. Uh, An episode that had so much madness in it. I think there's no one better suited uh, from the Survivor at Home experience (laughs) to, to... uh, to join us in discussing this episode, we have a Survivor at Home finalist of season three. He's never been voted out. He came third in that finals, but it was as close a vote as you can get. Three-way split, 5-4-3, um, and someone who is instrumental in getting me voted out for the first time of Survivor at Home. Uh, well done. We want to <laughs> welcome in John Wane. John, how are you finding Survivor so far? Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's a great season. And um, this whole experience with Survivor at Home is just next level. It's like amplifying the experience because I just get to geek out on deep, deep levels. <laughs> that's that's what we love to do here. Geek out on the deep levels, chat about not only Survivor 41, but also Survivor at Home. John, one thing we love to do when we welcome in a guest is to... Um, ask them about their history with the show Survivor. How long you've been watching? Give us a be- bit of background. Uh, does your family join you? Stuff like that when you watch. Sure. Yeah. So I started like season one. I watched it in high school. I was in high school when it came out, and we would do like the you know the old school Survivor party where a bunch of friends would get together and we'd watch the episodes. I remember watching the finale, and then. Um, there were a few years, like when I went off to university, where I wasn't really keeping up. Um, so I didn't watch every season religiously. But then a few years ago, my wife and I got back into it. And we watched a season and then just got really into it. And it's sort of now that we have kids, it's a little bit like um, the the highlight of our week. It's It's our date night. So it's like perfect for pandemic times, because don't have to go anywhere and we don't have to pay a babysitter and we just watch together great shoulder to shoulder time and I just love the the strategy the social the social dynamic I just love dissecting it and I love pretending that I'm playing survivor in my workplace (laughs) (laughs) that is so great pretending you're playing survivor in your workplace and I agree and if John Wani's employer is listening he of course is joking please do not take his job away from him he's he's he is actually working in his workplace (laughs) little disclaimer am am I I I, I just mean in terms of the social game like I'm always thinking about alliances and 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 winning favor with people i used to run like i used to run a lot in high school and university and when i went to to university i would run to de-stress and i would race people without them knowing that i was racing them same thing applies to survivor i play survivor with people who don't know they're playing survivor with me (laughs) (laughs) it's so good okay john wana you played a full season of survivor at home two nights intensity it was quite the season the ups and downs can you give us like a strategy lesson that you learned maybe learned the hard way or learned on the fly while you were playing 
Yeah, so I think um, this is kind of exciting that I get to talk about this actual episode of Real Survivor because I could really connect and relate. And I remember in the merge, um, the importance of knowing where other people's games were. I feel like that was a big strength of mine is I had a really great pulse on where everyone was so I could see the big picture, who was aligned with who, and I knew who I was close with, and I knew how to um, paint the perception of a threat. And so I loved watching this episode because in reality, everyone's a threat, right? But perception is reality. And so whoever can paint the best picture of describing their opponent as a threat is the great winner, the, the brilliant I guess, deceiver, or however you want to look at it. Um, but yeah, so for me, I played a big social game. Um, I built relationships because I had to. I didn't know anyone um, other than one person, and I wanted to keep that on the down low so it wouldn't look like like we were working together. But I, I basically had to infiltrate existing relationships um, and and do it in a subtle, playful way but my big downfall was I never let anyone in on my strategy. So it was all in my head. And if there was actually like a production team watching what was happening in house party, they might've picked up on some of the stuff, but I never told people I kept my cards way too close. So I didn't get the votes from the jury. So they didn't respect my game or see how calculated my relationship building was. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Just knowing how to balance the tribe game, personal game, and jury management. Like, that's huge. Yeah, it's interesting can... that you say that because for me, hosting and watching, I don't see all of those social interactions happening throughout the weekend. I'm more running the games. I bring it back for tribal council. And so when we got to the finale and you're talking, I thought you were going to win. I, I thought, okay, he's very confident. He's done such a good job in getting this far. He doesn't have some of the relationships that other people do but what came out after obviously with the vote and then since then in these conversations is that whole other layer that you're talking about letting people in mm -hmm. um, something that you know I did not see but just curious for you to even for a minute here just to expand on that a little bit more it actually really ties into the episode tonight because Erica she has this experience of like introspection right anytime someone mm -hmm. goes away she's there for two days two nights which is pretty significant it's raining uh it's it's probably not good sleep if any sleep at all and she says like I, i'm kind of becoming more authentic or a more authentic version of myself um obviously the game we played was just a weekend long but even in, within that i've heard you talk about re reflecting and and not and not just like things i could do differently but actually just some introspection so d did that happen is that true for you and, and what is it about any kind of hardships like in Survivor that teach us about ourselves? Yeah, so I overthink like to the extreme. I, I think I, I, I took it a little, like I was pretty hard on myself after the, the final tribal council because I really wrestled with like, with that feeling of throwing these two people under the bus when like I worked really hard with these people, like the three of us worked nicely together to get to that end. Um, and so it was it was pretty interesting how the numbers fell, but I felt like I was the most cutthroat in that final tribal council because I wanted it and I was playing hard. 
Um, and so I was thinking back and I was like, oh man, you were just too mean. Like I, I was, I was just a bit too like gutty. And so I, I kind of regretted some of that stuff and was thinking, what does this say about me as a human? Am I a, a terrible person? What about my values and all that stuff? Um, but it, it was, it was interesting. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it, it, it opens up a lot of questions in terms of, can you actually separate your true identity from the persona that you perform in a game? And I don't think you can. That's interesting. You talk about like feeling, do you feel guilty about what was said in those, in that final tribal council? From my perspective, I was on that jury and I remember going to that final thinking, okay, John is probably going to come third and well behind the other two. And you probably had the best tribal council in that final tribal. And although you came third, you missed out on first place by two votes. Well, actually really one vote. If one, one vote changes yeah. from Lynette to you, that's a three-way tie at four. I was just looking it up to, yeah. to remind myself, really, you missed out one person votes differently. And, and there you are, you're at a three-way tie in the finale. So in the context of Survivor, you did what you had to do and brought yourself in, at least in my mind, very close to winning from where I thought you went in starting wise to where you ended up finishing. It's interesting how the host perspective is different from the jury perspective mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. in that, Andrew. Uh, last thing, at least for me on Survivor at Home, John, what, who did you model your game after? There are a couple of players that you look at and go, that's who either I played like or who I wanted to play like when you went out there. Cause you were the most unique player in that season, in either season that I've seen. Yeah, so I think it would be interesting. Like if, if I'm looking at this season, season 41, I really see so much of my approach in Shan. I love Shan's approach and I can see what she's doing. She does it way better than I than I did it. Like she's she's got great tact. Um, I watched some of the scenes tonight where she is explaining to Leanna really clearly like, here's where it's at. This is how they perceive you. This is where, like, she was just so boom, 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 boom. Um, but she has a great pulse on where everyone is and um, is, isn't going to waste her time working with someone who has no interest in working with her. So, like, example, I had no intention of working with you, Jordan. You were just, before, I, I just prejudged you. I saw winner from last season i was like number one person how I want dare you right insult away. my co-host john Wyatt. i just i wanted to go for him i and I, I wanted to go for people that i thought would be similar to me or would be would be like a big threat right and so i wanted you out i wanted alex out um but i also wanted to work with alex because he was in my tribe but so for me it was like sort of how how shan's working with ricard uh, but not working with Ricard. You know what I mean? I, I just, I really understand her approach where she's kind of keeping your enemies close or your, your friends close and enemies closer. She's just brilliant. I'm a big fan of hers. I don't know if that's obvious yet. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, We're big yeah, fans of Shan here on the show as well. And just one more side note. We referenced the final tribal council of Survivor at Home season three had one more vote swung from Lynette to you, and we had a three-way tie with four, four, and four, I still don't know what I would have done. And for those listening at home, if you could maybe write in, um, you know, there's a comment section on Spotify. You can write in 
um, or find us on Twitter or SurvivorAtHome.com. I would like to know. I still, I have to, I guess, look into it before the next season because it could happen. But would love some input on what do you do if all three finalists are tied? Maybe I the maybe the host wins. Does the host win at that point? We, we know how to break a two way tie at the top, but we Absolutely. don't know how to break the three way tie. Yeah, we had that a member of the jury topic. though. But there was a member of the jury who wasn't able to attend, and I think we would have had to call that person call and yeah, say she was sick. Yeah, yeah, she had to mm-hmm. decide, and she would have voted for me. People, we were tight. I don't know. I don't know. I, you may be joking, but I don't. I, I don't see that as the answer because she that happens even in the real game someone could be evacuated they're not going to bring that person back in to make a vote so oh, similarly yeah, that, it could me. it could happen i know they i know they line it up but um yeah, yeah from from uh from their sick bed to to vote for you but no I, I i'm just curious honestly what what do you do in that scenario do you have any thoughts jordan on i i can't remember what i had said in the moment but i don't i don't have a thought off the top of my head right now i need to need to think about that because you you have a three-way tie and all the jury have already said who they're going to vote for mm-hmm. and not one of the final people. I don't know. I don't you have can't a, re-vote. I don't have you definitely cannot re-vote. Um, I mean, maybe in the fine print, it just says that London Steve wins the season. If there's a, oh, if no. it's a deadlock, oh. he's just declared oh, the winner. Go down that. Don't go down that path. <laughs> and speaking of quick of London, Steve, uh, our weekly segment, he's the sponsor of the show. <laughs> in in name only uh but john why you you actually that was your connection i guess to survivor home yeah. at least one of them was is was yeah. knowing uh, london steve yeah so we actually lived together in university for a year or two which was just interesting because we we haven't we didn't keep in touch a whole lot over the the years of university but we're sort of related now so we lived in a house with and we share so we share a mutual brother-in-law which and he lived in that house with us so just kind of weird sounds a little incestuous but it's, <laughs> it's all it's all above board and not like a alabama above board it's like okay up here and, and sorry for our alabama listeners yes <laughs> And speaking of above, above board, let's make a transition into this week's episode. Um, so the title of this episode from Survivor CBS is There's Going to Be Blood. And I think we can agree there was blood uh, shed in this episode. Um, the re- We get a recap. Um, Andrew, you noted last week, it kind of feels like the playoffs with having a play in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a recap of all the advantages in play. There's a ton of extra votes out there. There's uh, three idols out there. There's Leanna's advantage as well, which may or may not come into play later on in this episode. Um, Erica's at exile. And that's really where the episode starts is a little more character building from Erica, someone that other than the end of last episode, we hadn't seen yet. And she talks about even the hardest day on survivor is a dream come true. I thought that was great perspective. She's been alone for 48 hours in the wilderness, it's probably cold at night, although they're in a tropical island. It's definitely cold at night. She's on her own. She talked at the end of last episode about keeping the fire going to keep her sanity, not even for safety, just keeping her sanity with that fire going. Um, that's got to be it's one of the most challenging things you can do as an individual. Two nights alone on a beach, she probably didn't feel competent in doing that in general in the first place. 
and now she's got to uh, now she's got to do it. Like props to her for mm-hmm. for spending those two days out there. Yeah, absolutely. Just to see her push through that again, a Toronto girl. So shout out to our fellow Toronto players. It's really cool to see that. But again, we've talked about this in the, in the last few weeks on the podcast. And, and John, Wani, you, I think you commented on social media as well. But just the toll that the elements, the, the lack of food, that just a feeling of being isolated while she said, like, I feel like the game was going to continue on without me. All of those things would really weigh on you and so i don't know if they can always communicate that on tv right but what would be your take if you're out there for two days would it would it break you potentially would you would you struggle to persevere even those two nights well i thought it was interesting because there's like this recurring theme in this season that i've noticed where you've got these sort of underdog stories right we love these underdog stories and we love seeing these moments where someone that you think on paper should be a complete failure, for example, Tiff in every challenge, still somehow like rises up and is able to kind of prove that she's she's able to do more than people believe of that she can do. And I think that was a big thing for Erica where she was dismissed as she kept referring to herself as a little sheep. And she's coming back like a lion. So she's, it's just, I really like how this game really opens up these opportunities for people to challenge um, maybe their beliefs that are set on them, like other people's perceptions of them, or even one person's perception of themselves. Like they're given the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm not blank. I'm a fighter. I'm a survivor. And, and they, they push through and it's really cool because I see a whole different confidence in Erica when she comes back, you know, she's, she's really playing now. It's cool to see, like, as you're talking about that, I just think of a, like a sports context of this, where you watch a team that's competing for a championship and you think they're playing at their best and for them to win, they've got to hit another level that they've never hit. And this is mm-hmm. an, a moment. For, I'm not saying Erica is going to go on and win this season. She's got troubles of her own with with relationships and got to sort all that out. But this is a moment where you thought she she thought internally she might have hit her her peak in the game or doesn't know where she can go. And then she digs down to find another level just to get through those two days. And she feels like a whole new person ready to bounce back, kind of hit the reset button and learn from her what she thinks it might be strategy mistakes in the first we'll call it first half of the season has made it through that and now she's ready to go in and she's got a big decision on her hands side note on the big decision what's the downside for her in making this decision i don't really see a downside um that comes in but she gets to come into this immunity challenge and present what her big decision is and um either to change what happened in the previous uh, previous challenge and make six different people um unsafe and make six people have immunity uh, whether to flip that around and it includes her she would not be safe unless she switches it do you john do you see any reason not to switch it i was like yelling at my screen saying you better smash that you better smash that because i just i i my fear was that she lacked self-awareness so if she had no self-awareness of the fact that the people on the original Luvu tribe didn't really all trust her. Um, then she she may have gone playing it played it safe and and not smashed it because she she was confident in the numbers. But I was so happy that she did because 
She really doesn't have the numbers. They don't like her. They don't want to work with her. And I think we got a little bit of a glimpse of that earlier in, in some of the conversations. Like you could tell she felt a little bit excluded. So I'm just so glad she smashed that thing. Did I answer your question? Yep. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> okay. absolutely. Would you well it was a it was the right decision for Erica to smash it. And really it saves her her from being on the line, right? There's I just yeah. don't see a downside to to switching it. And absolutely I was thinking there's no way she doesn't switch it, right? That was kind of my that was my thought process. With it would it. have been way different if after being sent there, Jeff said, You're actually safe no matter what at the next thing it's it's kind yeah. of like your punishment yeah. to be here for two days but don't worry you also can't get voted out and because you're missing all the socializing time and now you have this decision to make i think that would have been a much more significant decision where she would or, have to just consider what i think would have been more significant is if she was not safe either way and she had to pick who else was not mm. safe beside her yeah e either of those puts more stake in the game for her in terms of now you got to think who's going up against me? How are people going to perceive me? Um, who's getting voted? I think that would put more stake in the game than versus one choice. She's not safe. One choice. She is safe. Mm -hmm. um, right. Would have would have changed it. One thing I thought was really interesting was just the whole, like the, the strategy behind the producers of the show. So like there's some clear themes in this season, right? We've got equity, diversity that like those things are very obvious like there's some clear political things that are coming out you can tell that a lot of the things that are kind of circulating in society those things they try and reflect in the show and so we've heard it a number of times you've talked about it on the podcast about how um, this is one of the most diverse uh, casts that we've ever seen on survivor but i thought it was so fascinating because it reminded me a little bit of the david versus goliath season in the sense that you've got these underdogs versus these giants like quite literally in that challenge last week you've got these beasts going up like the ladies and xander and it was just like the poor guy like he was just torn up to shreds xander and then still has scars in this episode yeah. from that oh he's totally beaten down and then you look at even the way that they took erica and nasir out and the winning tribe decided to pull Nasir. And it was just like a great division of six really strong people, either socially, physically, or both, versus these weaker ones. And then huge curveball where it's flipped upside down. And there's potential for the weak ones to pick off the old ones. And like, not to bring it back to Survivor at Home, but it's really similar to what was happening in the last season of Survivor at Home, where there was there were numbers for the returning players to pick off the newbies and the newbies didn't let it happen. Um, so there was an opportunity for them to flip the game and take control. And I see that happening in season 41 where now they're like the game's wide open. Now they're, well, we'll get to that, but the numbers have, have switched and it could, it, it's just a total change. Numbers are all over the place. So Erica chooses to change history, which means that, Evie, Ricard, Deshaun, Danny, Nasir, and Sydney. Now the six of them are all not immune anymore. They have to drop their buffs. They're not in the merge. They're not, they haven't made the merge yet, I guess. They got to survive a vote to make the merge. And everyone else, which is Ricard, 
Shan, Xander, Tiffany, Heather, Leanna, and Erica are all safe. So 6v6 completely switches. Um, and, uh, and now they've got to compete in a survivor merge tribe or individual classic challenge, which is building those stacks with your feet. Immediately, the conversation in my household uh, was we all have tight hips. There was no chance any of us would ever win that challenge. <laughs> hips don't Do you, lie. They, no, it was not happening. We were talking about cramping calves and cramping hip flexors. And it was just, we knew that the Timpson household, that was, that was not happening. Do you guys think that either of you could actually be successful in a challenge like that, where it's just your feet, you're sitting and you got to stretch out and move around like that challenge? That's a good question. I mean, you always... When you're watching these challenges at home, sometimes like I could never do that. This one, or is, I don't want to do, or that. I don't want to do that. This one is, this one is in like the I think I could do that, like because I, I mean, I played soccer my whole life. You're using your feet. Um, I mean, being a dad and the classic dad move of like carrying stuff in your hands and then something drops and you kind of like catch it with your one foot and get your kid in the other hand and like don't let it hit the ground so maybe i don't know but i mean i think i think i could i think i could get to the top and then i think just the the nerves would kick in and as soon as i knocked over one of those top blocks i probably would get rattled and that would be the enemy um the flat <laughs> i mean they, they flew through it right they whereas the last time we saw this on survivor they I think it took quite a while. People were learning. It was a learning curve. Some yeah. people really struggled. This one, like four of them were right in there. It could have been anyone's game. A few of them hardly knocked a block over. Their towers looked really good. And then they got that flag going. Um, and I and I saw when Ricard got his got near the top. I'm like, that's the, you gotta do that. That's the way to to get done. Cause Evie, I was kind of rooting for her, just I don't know, just seeing her. Uh, do that I'm like man she's killing it here and she but you could tell as soon as she grabbed the flag with her toes it's like no I don't think so I don't think she's gonna get no. this um and knock it in and then yeah Sydney was yeah. right there um Sydney was trying to put the flag in its in its anchor spot and just missed it a couple of times she grabbed the flag too low I thought with her toes it was still too low but she was she was right there and We'll see if that uh, we'll talk about if that plays into yeah. to anything moving forward. Mm -hmm. But John, did you have any thoughts on that on that challenge? How do you think you would do, or uh, just in general ob observations so of I, it? I feel like I have an unfair advantage because I have Filipino blood. So Filipinos <laughs> are known for just having insane feet picking up skills. Like I remember as a kid, my mom would just pick up socks with her toes and i always thought it was disgusting or watching like my aunts just pick things up like it, it was it's just wild they can do wild things with their feet so i think erica would have had a sweet advantage because she's filipino i was so, wondering if you were going to um, say that thought that would have been could have been interesting to see how that played out if she was in the challenge uh but i think i think i would have given ricard a run for his money but I don't All like right. to I don't like to be cocky when it comes to this stuff because pride goes before the fall, you know? Like I would just crumble if I actually thought I could win it. Like that's what was going through. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love the insights, how you think about something and then you rethink about it. And now here we are and you have this internal battle. <laughs> it's really cool to hear it all just kind of spilled out here. Um, well, that's a sign I of a true survivor fan, right? Is yeah. is is playing. Uh, through the ideas in your head I, I often will think of 
any of those endurance challenges, like what would I do to get myself through just a brutal agonizing endurance challenge where you're either holding onto the pole for hours or some kind of weight you just everyone's at the same spot and you got to hold it without moving i think of when i went to get a uh is it a cat scan or ct scan where they, they kind of like you lay down on your back and they move you in and even i'm not even claustrophobic and even for me that was a little bit nerve-wracking but i remember uh, one thing i like to do when i get nervous like that is to um two things one i imagine it was my one of my kids and i and i imagine what I would say to them. If I were there watching them, I would say, it's, I would say, it's okay. Like the doctors know what they're doing. You're going to be okay. So I would kind of like make up the story in my head of, as if I was an out of body looking at my kids doing it and how to <laughs> encourage them or um, like to read a story or sing a song to my kids and try and like get through that like multiple times over. I, and I would just be curious to hear even the players who've been really on the show, who've especially those who've excelled in enduring, some of those, I mean, some of those past seasons where they look at each other, they're like, I'm not going anywhere, right? Or I'm, I'm going to just stay here until the, 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 the sun goes down, right? Just, I wonder what's going on in their head, the mental fortitude. There's certainly a skill set and a personality, but I wonder if any of them have specifics. Like, are they singing a song? Are they recounting yeah. a story? Are they saying a mantra over and over again? Um, what's that unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt where she like just counts the 10 seconds loop over she's like if i could just get through these 10 seconds you know so anyway it's kind of a tangent but it is actually quite important in in the game like the mental resilience and what you do to tell yourself to get through those the mental side of those types of challenges and this this wasn't an endurance challenge but still the mental side of those challenges to get to get through them and like there are some where you have people balancing on something small like for hours and hours and they they get off of it and they can't even walk and yet they've mm-hmm. just balanced with weight or with pressure or something in those challenges. It's incredible. And then you add in, they haven't eaten for days, especially in this season. They're not given any food. They haven't eaten for days. They don't really sleep. Um, they just feel like all messy. It, it, it's incredible what what some of these people do in, in these challenges. Um, so well done for everyone. Ricard steals it at the, I, I, I thought Ricard stole it at the end. Cause Evie seemed to be leading the whole time. Sydney, very confident in herself, but very good at this challenge as well. Um, was right there the whole time. And then all of a sudden the camera pans over Ricard's right there, takes it, wins it leaving, um, leaving the five now, Evie, Deshaun, Danny, Nasir, Sydney. So four from Luvu, the core four from Luvu and Evie are all in trouble and we get to go back to camp. And I normally in survivor, when once they finish that immunity challenge and go back to camp, I just make my prediction. I'm like, I think this person's going to go home. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes it takes a million turns before it gets to the answer that I thought originally, but in a different path than I thought I've, I had no clue what was about to happen. I had no hint inkling. I could make an argument that Evie would be going, but really there was no idea how the chips were going to fall. Did you guys have any, even if you were dead wrong, did you have any thoughts that there was someone that you went, this person's probably the most likely to go home? I, I don't watch Survivor or really any entertainment um, in that way. Just my personality. I don't, I don't think big picture. I let the, I let it happen to me. Like, I don't, that's why I don't even like knowing how many episodes are in a series. Cause I just like, like letting it happen. So it's funny you ask that. Cause I genuinely don't think that way. I, I rarely will be like, okay, this person I could see. Whereas I, I love hearing you guys. And I know you are wired that way. 
uh, kind of making the predictions. I just like the madness. I what I f- I kind of pick up on the f- <laughs> I pick up on the feeling of the episode, and I just I resonate so much with what production is doing in this show. Like it's a it's a it's a feeling. Like the you know Enneagram Nine talk about all those things too. But I I just <laughs> I, it just resonates with me, and I love it. And I love that there's like they're presenting all the sides, but um, the word madness comes to mind and insanity. I was texting a few friends watching at the same time. Yeah. I just absolutely love it. Just like we talked in past weeks, like the playoffs are like these gladiators, all these different champion gladiators now meeting at the big arena in front of Caesar. Yeah. Here they go. And they're just charging at each other and game on. Right. I just, I just loved it. I actually had to get up after the episode two and do a full on like walk around my place for a few minutes. This is the first time <laughs> of recording the podcast before taking any more notes. That's why I told you guys, I need a few more minutes to start recording. Cause I was like, that was just insanity. So I got, I had to go up and do a few loops. I, there was a leftover pigs in a blanket. So I may or may not have eaten four of those as well. And, <laughs> and, and here we are, but anyway, I don't know if that was your question, but go ahead. Wow. <laughs> I lost the question too. I think you were asking about um, who, if we thought we knew who was going to go. If My you had an night. If it just if you had an idea, not that if you knew necessarily, but if you had an idea, even if you were dead wrong, like did you right. think anyone was going home? Yeah. So like as soon as as soon as she smashes it, I was I was already calculating in my brain, but my brain moves at an insane pace. It's just like so I within like a eight second period, I was like Deshaun, Eddie, and like I was all over the place. So I ran like pretty much every scenario through my head within 15 seconds. Um, but then I wasn't, I, I didn't actually see the result play out the way it did. It was it, totally like, it was, it was really cool. I love the madness as well. Yeah. I, the, the result, the way it played out was I think completely unpredictable and that's what makes this game so much fun, but let's go back to the beginning of camp they spent it felt like 45 minutes on showing us what's at camp and it and at the same time it felt like two minutes we could have watched seven hours of everything that was going down at camp but it starts off danny as a former professional athlete being like what the heck we won why do why am i not safe anymore i won like i what did i carry why did we push this huge ball that scraped up xander completely why did we do that work so hard and now I've lost, he can't grip with it versus Deshaun, who's like, dude, it's Survivor 41. This is the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, he I, was pretty rattled, eh, by it. He was. And, he was. and I get it, right? You put in that effort. But again, it's, that's what's fascinating about different personalities that come on the show. He, he just, whatever, I mean, John, Wine, I brought up Enneagram already because I know you're big into it. But you just, you wonder, like, what's, what's someone like? And why is it that they can't see past this, this is Survivor? It's like a Monopoly or a game where they, there's a major twist, right? I don't think Monopoly has major twists, but you get my point, <laughs> right? There and and but yeah. he can't. He really was rattled. Then they came back even later, and he was still like cycling on it. Yeah. And it's like that's that's not going to get you far if you get stuck on those kind of things. But that's he exactly. was like appropriately frustrated, right? Like they legitimately won the exp. Like it, it was built up for him to be frustrated, and I thought that he played it pretty cool like he at least the editing made it look like he was frustrated but he didn't kind of whine about it and get stuck on it where i think that actually would have made for better tv if he whined and whined about it and then we just start to hate danny Uh, but he's just too likable 
which he's he's too likable. The other thing was, in my opinion, he was also a li- at least a little bit justified in being frustrated yeah. on that because it got taken away from him. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that comes out of that conversation is he mentions, and now Xander's got an idol and he could play it for other people. So clearly it just reinforces all the cards are on the table. Everyone knows Xander has an idol, which means I assume that everyone knows Nasir has an idol, which means I assume everyone knows that Shan has an idol. Um, and we know about all these advantages and almost everything is on the table at this point. And again, information is so key in survivor. The more you can keep it just to yourself, the better it is for everyone involved Um, or no, sorry, the better it is for you, not everyone involved, the better it is for you, the more you can keep it, um, Mm -hmm. uh, the more you can keep it hidden, but there's just conversations going on everywhere. Deshaun, Ricard, Danny, Shan, Sydney, talk about Nasir or Evie, which is hilarious because, most of the people in that conversation are up for elimination. So they literally can only talk about Nasir or Evie mm-hmm. now that I read out that list of names. But um, Danny talks about Leanna, about the potential of getting Evie out. Here's an interesting thing. The, one of the first times there ha- anyone's having a conversation about voting someone out, it's Danny talking to Leanna about voting out Evie. And Leanna wants to back up Evie to start and say, no, she's not dangerous. She knows Evie's dangerous. She understands how Evie plays the game. But she says, no, she's not dangerous. We should target someone else. Then everyone comes up and says, no, we want to vote out Evie. Okay, Leanna goes fine. It's not worth risking my game over right. voting out Evie or not. I like. I, I will like go that. along with you. I like that because I, I, would, I think I'd be similar too in that I would be loyal. Like I, I, I value the relationships and I quickly build bonds with people. I, in the game of survivor, I think I would be able to also, if I found a better opportunity, I would be comfortable doing that. But I also could see myself then advocating in the wake of that being like, well, but yes, I'm, I'm here now, but also, you know, I was close with, with Evie, so don't just get her out. So I like the, I like that. I, I resonate with that strategic move for sure. Absolutely. Test the water if you can push back. And then when you realize that there's too many people against you, you're, you, you got to go with that and, and sacrifice someone who's been an ally in favor of how you want to move forward in the game. Like that's, that's kind of the way it goes in Survivor. You want to trust specific people, but at the end of the day, it's about you and getting yourself further in the game. And, um, and Leanna in that moment cannot ruin her game to save Evie. That's not the way, mm-hmm. uh, that's not the way it, it works for her. Um, yeah, don't risk think- your game for someone else. I think the timing is such a huge part of this game. So to make a big move right at the merge is not a great idea because what we saw like later on in the episode was you could really see where the numbers were falling and they don't stay that way. It's impossible for the numbers to stay that way. So when you're on the bottom, like I I think there's a great opportunity for you to start picking apart the bigger group. So I, I thought it was really smart of her because she is a threat. She's strategic, but she's she knows that if she's on the bottom of a big group, it's not the end. That's actually a great place to be at this point in the game. You don't want to be the leader of a big group because that's you're you're done. You're going to be picked off right away. Everyone that, wants to cut off the head of the snake, right? Yeah. Is it? I mean, it's a philosophy thing, though. You guys have played the game. Do you find? I mean, Mario Kart comes to mind where you. There's risk in getting out front, but Jordan's giving me a look. I think a lot of people listening would resonate, Jordan. Come on, Mario Kart. <laughs> Sorry, I had a button for a cough. <laughs> no, he gave me a look of like Mario Kart. Why are you bringing that up? I just mean in Mario Kart. Well, if, if you've played Mario Kart, which 
every person listening should have done because it's a great game there is that risk of getting out in the lead because everyone's coming from you don't get as many good items there's the blue shells that come and hit you at the front and there's wisdom a lot of people actually almost intentionally don't sit in first for a while but then some people are like no i just know how good i am or i'm confident myself if i get into first i'm going to hold first and i'll fight off what comes at me so just kind of that philosophy of what you just alluded to that it's probably not wise to get to be the head of the snake but you look at some seasons like boston rob and others who've done that so well is there a time where that can that can be successful yeah, I think I, this is where the self-awareness comes in. Like you've got to be aware and you've got to be able to read the room and assess out your competition. Because like Tony, Tony plays hard and he he was crazy enough to believe that he could take everyone out. Same thing with Boston Rob, but Boston Rob's like a, a whole other category, right? Like he's alien when it comes to this game. So, but I think someone like Liana, she does not have the chops to consistently stay at the head of the game there's just this cast is there's strong people but everyone's got such different strengths that it's a wild card game you don't have someone who's who's gonna be the top threat in every category so if you are that superstar who can win in every category your strategy your physical your social um you can kind of outwit outplay outlast and you know that you can beat everyone in it then you go for it right you just own it you go ahead ahead of the competition you steamroll people to the finish but this game like there there are so many different types of threats i think she's playing it right i think also though as much as there's different types of threats they're also kind of all playing the same game of they want to not sit back necessarily but everyone wants to make big moves with other people without like taking all of the heat back onto mm. them. And they all want to just manipulate the game a little bit, do a little tweak here, do a little tweak there. And everyone wants to manipulate it, play a, a similar game where they know if I go out in front of everyone, like Rob did when he won his season, Rob won his season years ago, 16 seasons ago, maybe longer than that ago. He won it a, quite a while ago. The game is very, very different from, from that when you go out ahead yeah, um, oftentimes the player the player of the season in the last couple of seasons with really the exception of um of uh of tony who got a really good really favorable edit and also played a really hard season um mm. but the winner is not always the player of the season the player of the season who dominates the whole year gets uh gets voted out quickly as that head of the yeah. snake and, and no one wants to be that here um, with this group, which is really, really interesting and fascinating that, yeah, you've got these types, these different types of people, but also they all want to do similar things and sit back, let someone else take the lead. I'll hop in when I need to, and I'll just make my manipulations from the background and play a strategic game. It mm -hmm. then becomes clear here that the main group wants to vote out Evie and everyone knows that Leanna has her steal which note back to last episode, Andrew, you pointed this out. You pointed this out and then reminded um, me as well this week. Remember last week, Shan talks to Leanna about her advantage in front of Tiffany. Mm -hmm. So now Tiffany knows Leanna's advantage, which clearly Leanna did not want her to know about. So now everyone knows about Leanna's advantage because Leanna's told her new alliance but no one knows that everyone knows. So we see a scene mm -hmm. where Xander is telling 
someone else telling Danny, I think it is, oh, did you know about Leanna's advantage? Oh, no, I had no idea. Danny knew, and Danny told us in a confessional that he knew. All this information is out there. But the biggest point is the big group is going for Evie, and Leanna's convinced that Evie will not get the steal a vote from Zan or not get the uh get the idol from mm-hmm. Xander. And that's basically where the rest of this episode goes of where is this idol? Who's got it? Who wants it? Um, or sorry, is, who's Leanna gonna take it from? How is this all gonna work out? And it's like playing double agent, triple agent. What's the line from friends? They don't know that we know that they know. Um, type deal. Uh, shout out to my sister for that one because I've heard that from her a couple of times. But that's that's what it comes down to is who can play double agent, triple agent to hide this idol or put it in plain sight. And that's that's what it comes down to. No one else is really in danger. It's Evie versus Leanna versus Xander's idol. Right. Yeah, I think this is a great example of brilliant editing like in all honesty, I think this is one of these things where the production went back, found that clip where it was like a small, innocent mistake because we only saw a snippet of that conversation. And so in my mind, I like to just fill in the blanks for my own personal entertainment, but I'm pretty sure that Leanna, Shan and Tiffany were having like a, a pretty open conversation where Shan got the feeling that Tiffany and Leanna were really tight and safe. Because like, why would they not be, right? Like they've, they've been voting together from Shan's perspective. She's like the outsider coming in. So I thought it was a complete innocent mistake. And the reason why I think this is because of how quick Leanna was to forgive. And so if it really was something where Leanna was like, what have you done? You've blown up my game. Then I think we would have seen more of that. And she would have been angrier about it and even with this whole tribal council with how everything went down none of that would have happened if shan didn't open her mouth yes which is so interesting that's a good point i so i agree with you that's probably what happened but again can you any of you guys see yourselves ever saying that i just i feel like that's back to the survivor basics you don't ever reveal things especially information that's not your own i just i can't ever picture a scenario where I come, I know that John Wani has something and I, I know you guys are close and I come up and I'm like, Hey, uh, John, Wani, so did he get the advantage in front of Jordan? I just can't, I can't imagine that ever coming out of my mouth, but you're right. She does that. It's whether it's a mistake or there, there is obviously yeah. more context. We don't see it's, it's amazing how that really becomes the crux for a whole episode of drama. Whereas if she hadn't, this episode would have been relatively different right or boring and in terms and in terms of the editing you now see why they needed to put that scene in the last episode because it sets up so much of this episode that one little question of hey did you get the advantage snowballs into the plot line for 15 to 20 minutes Mm -hmm. of an entire other episode that leads to someone getting voted out the other thing that i i picked up on quickly in this episode was a little conversation between xander tiff and evie they're a solid three. It's no longer, Leanna's not, they, they've extra out of their tribe. Um, they know that they're not going to be working with her, even though everyone will try to make it appear like that might be happening. They understand Leanna's jump shipped, jumped ship, and they're, they're going to move on and sail away without her. 
Um, and it was just a little moment of, okay, these three are going to be solid. They know they need to trust each other and be as close as three as we've seen in a while, at least from the, the editing of this episode, mm -hmm. they're as close as it gets trusting each other with everything that, that's going on. Um, you don't see that very often. Again, all the information is shared between them, but, um, yeah, it, and then Evie's now aware of the potential idol steal. The plan seems to be always they want to get get the idol away from Xander so that Leanna doesn't get it. Mm -hmm. They're they're nervous of that, and they're making background plans. It's very evident every time they have a conversation and someone's giving a little side eye that they they have a background plan on what's going on with that with that idol. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, those three seem close. Eh? Sorry, go ahead, Jordan. No, just what did you guys think about um, the potential options? They kept playing it up that Xander was going to have the idol. What did you guys think about potential options? Did, what, you have this idol. You know someone could steal it. What's going through your mind? Yeah, because we know from Danny telling Leanna that, hey, they're on to you as well, right? So it's it's all out in the open. So you're right. So now they're, they're weighing their options. Actually, and just again, a side note, I thought it was cool to see uh Deanna and shan going and pulling out the paper again reading it like trying to get mm -hmm. okay are we understanding this correctly when can it be played how does how, how does it apply really like that stuff just to see yeah. those real moments happening but and the specific quote what if he gives it to someone else what, what if he gives yeah. it and yes that, like that's what they're analyzing right yeah so they're i mean they're thinking how many it, uh, it's amazing how many players are here to play like all of them almost all of them <laughs> with a few exceptions are are really thinking and it's being portrayed really well by production. So kudos to them. But to your question, um, different options. Um, so we determined it definitely was at tribal council that it had to happen. Yeah. Um, it, it is tough, eh? Because you, you got to assume they are, well, Danny said again, that, he, that they're on to you. So you got to assume that they're, they're going to be tossy, right? They're going to be considering it. I think that, um, I, I think they're gonna. I, I, if I were in their shoes, I would think that they would not hold on to it, right? I think he would give it to someone else. That would be my guess. But there's, it's kind of like the, the back and forth because she even, Lana even goes up to them at one point and is trying to kind of just get some information. And it's kind of like an mm -hmm. awkward moment almost because it's like, I think they're all aware that they know that they aren't together anymore, but they're pretending like, they are so trying to get that information so you're you're just basically it's a shot in the dark really i mean a one in three odds the way they portrayed it in the production they didn't really make it seem like tiffany was an option they had you thinking okay maybe he gives it to evie um yeah what do you think john why i just loved how it all went down like i knew that i knew that xander is not dumb enough to go to tribal council with the idol so when I saw him, I was like, oh, that's fake. That's totally fake. Mm -hmm. um, and, but I love that they brought Tiff in. And that was a huge risk. And I feel like we we just glance over that. Like it's not a big deal and that they were really smart to bring Tiff in. But she is the most nuclear player this season where she's just a wild card. Like you don't know what she's, you don't know what she would do with information. So I just thought that was that worked out brilliantly for Xander. I'm a big fan of him. I think he's playing really well. And I, I mm. hope he, he, he can survive through the next few rounds of votes, but I just thought that was really interesting. And I thought it was interesting to see how the, they showed who he's trying to build alliances with. So he's trying to get in with Danny 
where I thought from last the the last episode, Nasir kind of approached him and Nasir showed him that he really wanted to work together with Xander. So I, I just thought it was interesting to see more of like the behind the scenes of how strong Xander's awareness and social game is like and strategy like he's a he's a way deeper threat than people have any idea about like it, he played that brilliantly he seems like like the real deal steph my wife i think the very first episode said i think that guy could win this season because he's got he's got kind of the vibe like i think it was jay a few se- seasons ago yeah, yeah. similar vibe to him but jay was no, I'm not being rude. He wasn't dumb, but he was like a little, he wasn't as strategic. He he, he yeah. was like very likable and had that to him uh, and could kind of weave in and out, but he didn't really have the leadership yeah. strategy. Whereas Xander gives off that vibe of being like, yeah, man, like, but also is really thinking and like just the plays and like, and asserting his leadership there of like telling Evie, yeah. don't play it right. Or to Tiffany, don't play it. So um, I, mm-hmm. I, I agree. I have to agree with her. I think that, he could be in the running if he if he can go and survive the next couple of tribal councils. Yeah. He Xander's such a cerebral player, thinking through all the moves. This is one of the biggest, well, there's a million big differences, but this is one of the things that I wish, and you can't do it with Survivor at home. But one of the toughest things is if you have more time, like they have in in out there on the island where you've got the whole day to think about how tribal council is going to go down. You can think through every possible move and every mm-hmm. possible scenario because there are little things that that might get you. Um, that Xander had the, the whole, everyone involved had to think through of what could happen if an idol is played, what could happen if a shot in the dark is played. There are mm-hmm. a bunch of extra votes out there. Where should I put my vote? I thought there was an argument for Xander to actually vote for Sydney if they're going to split votes. And you can think about all that throughout the day, um, which is such an advantage because that would be something that I'd be doing is this piece could go here, kind of move the chess pieces or mm-hmm. the puzzle pieces around mm-hmm. to see how everything's going to could fit together with all the information that's flowing around. And at the end of the day, I want to know who came up with all of the ideas on how to play it by that Yasa three because they were. I'm watching the episode going, don't keep telling them that, that um, Evie is safe. And they keep saying Evie's safe. And they, they re let you know, we're going to play this idol. This idol is going to come out. We're going to have it. Here it goes. And, and they kept playing that up. And I'm going, don't play that up. They're going to steal it. But then also thinking to myself, they're smarter than that at this point mm-hmm. in, in this season. Mm-hmm. Tiffany, Xander, and um, Evie are smarter than that. And it's just who are they going to be smart enough to put it in the right person's hand that Leanna doesn't know whose hands it's in and doesn't have a good one and three shot of, of getting it right. Anyways, mm-hmm. I thought they would put it in Tiffany's. I, I thought to myself, I, I was going to ask you, hand. cause you said you do think that way. So you were leaning, yeah. you, you, you guess they might give it to Tiff. I thought that was the best move because you've got Xander who everyone knows has the idol and you've got Evie who he's going to play it for. And so the easy move is Xander has it. Let's just hand it off to Evie and then she can play for it, mm. her, it for herself. Ends up being the right move. He gives it to Tiffany, who everyone knows is working with them, but is kind of left out. She's out of the three. She's not in trouble. She's not running the show. She didn't find the idol in the first place anyways. It makes sense to give it to, to Tiffany. And then she shows the ultimate sign of respect. And we'll get to this later when we get into tribal, but the ultimate sign of respect of, Xander, it's yours. I'm not going to play it unless you tell me 
who to play it for and what to do. It might be in her possession at that moment, but it's his idol and she shows that respect. And I'm like, okay, these three are, are a solid group that are going to, uh, to get going. Absolutely. I just want to, I just want to pause too. That's a great thought, Jordan. Really. And again, really cool to see how you think. I mean, you're a winner of survivor at home is showing just the way you run through those scenarios. <laughs> Cause I, as much as I love the game, that's just not how my mind works. And obviously you can, you can be a different personalities and win the game, but just really cool to hear your take and kind of guessing that Tiff would be a good choice there. But I wanted to ask a question. I alluded to this uh, scene already, but I forgot to mention one key point that stood out to me from the episode tonight. Leanna approaches Xander and Evie and they have this conversation and it's kind of like in those movies where some of the characters think the other people don't know, but they do already and they're going to have to kill you. And, but they got tears in their eyes because they love you. Um, but you you know that they've betrayed you, but you have this kind of last conversation. There's, there's a shot. It was just a couple seconds and Evie and Leanna are speaking and Evie has tears in her eyes. Now, I don't know the context. It could have been something else that was going on, but my interpretation of that was, she was just aware of the like the the emotional toll of like this is someone I have been in an alliance with. It's stressful. We're we're kind of having to fake. I think she even sighed a little bit, and I and it felt like that represented just this this the, the angst or the stress of like this is this is hard. Like I'm 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 here's someone I trust, but I'm I know we're lying to each other, and like the game's rolling on, and here we got to do this more and do it again. And um, I just thought it was an interesting human moment where. I was like that again, I could see that if I were in her shoes, that that could happen to me. And I'd be curious to hear your guys' take on that. Just again, the toll of the the lying, of the of the betraying, of the pretending like smiling to someone's face and going along with the script and knowing that the whole time, like, no, like I I'm on to you. It would it like I appreciate her tears because it was almost like sympathetic tears of like <laughs> to the to the weight of this situation. What what do you guys think about that? John, you go ahead I, first here. Well, I just think it's um, it it's it makes for it's so much more relatable. You know what I mean? I think sometimes we watch seasons of Survivor and they've got the obvious dud, where it's just like you're almost cheering for that dud to get backstabbed or to get blindsided because you're just like this person is so useless. But then when you see these people who have that that complicated relationship of their friends by necessity like you can't move forward in this game without building relationships but you also know that you can't keep all those relationships nice and tidy all the way through like you do have to cut someone like you've got to kill someone um so I, i think that's that is a really cool added element of it you know it's real and it goes back to that thing i was talking about earlier where like I don't think you can turn off the human part of you where you in the real world, you would not want to do that to someone, but the game forces you to move forward. If you want to move forward, you have to be willing to do that to people that you've built trust with. It's like Mm -hmm. a completely inhumane thing. We don't recommend doing that in the real world. So it's interesting when it comes out in the show. So it's interesting to hear you guys talk about that because I'm going to zag here. And I have a different perspective on this. When, as soon as I picked up that they were going to play right into Leanna's hands in terms of this idol's coming out, from there on out, everything I saw from Xander, 
Evie and Tiffany, I took as an act and just trying to not ham it up necessarily. And maybe there is real emotion in that moment because mm-hmm. yeah, you've worked, you've lived with Leanna the whole game and worked with her and got through a couple of tough boats. But after that, I just looked at everything from those three specifically as an act to set up Leanna trying to take the idol from Xander and playing right. double agent yeah. and going here, you, you need to know that we're really upset. We're going to try and save ourselves, but we think you're just going to take the idol anyways and kind of surrendering to that to give her every reason to ask Xander for that idol, which was never going to be in his pocket. And they knew that plan and they had a specific plan. So I just, the human element of that is there and the betrayal is there. But I think that it's, from my perspective, I thought a lot of that was just an act from them um with some emotion behind it of the day spent with liana but also knowing she's her plan is to betray us we're gonna double agent her and and Mm. double cross her yeah and go with that way so i saw it more of as an act um absolutely yeah that's definitely happening for the most part and there's no question and even at the tribal council which we'll get to in a minute that's that is what's happening but just within that i thought i interpreted as the tears in her eyes as an emotional response to just the weight of that of like okay like we, we gotta keep this keep this charade going keep this counteract going and just yeah and, and even doing it continuing to do it and wanting to do it but just also feeling that of like man this is this is tough this is a grueling experience uh, emotionally as well and, I, and again i can just resonate with that just just like when you get to the loved ones visit and people always break down and cry right that the emotional toll the game takes on you is real uh, and we'll get to that if if it happens. I assume it will, but um, yeah, let's not skip too far ahead. So exactly. Okay, tribal council. Here we go. This is this. Is Tune in next week for council. the tribal council breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in later. We'll be back for the podcast on Thursday. That's the end for today. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is gotta be just me nerding out a little bit. This has got to be the most people ever to be safe at a tribal council right? Um, with having half of more than half, seven of the 12 players that are in this tribal council cannot be voted out. The only other time where I can think of a tribal council where there's a lot of people safe was uh, if you guys remember Sari getting voted out simply because there was no one else to choose from because of all the idols and advantages that were played. That's the only yes. other time I can think of where there were a bunch of people safe, but due to this being 12 people and seven safe, that was more than uh, than Sari ever than than that tribal council um having seven people safe actually no they never played the idol so um that was just a little bit of a nerd thing and then uh, danny opens up talks about going into stadiums and how this is similar and then jeff basically asks a leading question about him playing in the nfl without saying nfl uh, just saying his career path is different than everyone else's and he just whoop, skirted past that question and, <laughs> and avoided it completely. I don't think people know. I think people have assumptions that he's a professional athlete or a football player, uh, but I don't think they actually know. I don't believe he's told them that. And he, that he said college football. I remember he said that one episode. Okay. I think on the walk up the, was he on one of the walks up the hill? I remember he someone? said coach. I remember he said football coach at one point as well. Yeah, and now involved um, with coaching or youth coaching. But I remember yeah. specifically something about the college level making it that far and then and then stopping. So that's a good alibi, right? That's a good that's yeah. a good half truth that you could default to. And it's it, you could with. you're right. But yeah. I did think in that moment, I'm like, oh, has he told P 
people that he played in the NFL. But um, John Wani, what would you do if you were a celebrity? I mean, you're kind of a big deal in the Ottawa region, I think. But um, would you I'd take Tampered Chef? That's right. But if you got on that show, would you would you re- reveal that if you were an actual celebrity ex, you know, athlete or politician or someone in the in the spotlight? I think it depends. Like it it really depends. Like I think for Danny, he's like a human truck, right? Like people are just going to look at him like a, a huge physical threat. So in some ways like I I just feel like it's irrelevant. It doesn't really matter if like if he was a professional athlete or not, like maybe, maybe the money thing. Will I think it's about the money. Mind. Usually but it's about the money. Yeah. I just feel like it is what it is. Like he's in my, he's in the, the truck, massive human meat chunk box, you know? So I, I, to me, the money thing, it doesn't really matter because I think the game has evolved so much that the, like the crown of, like the winner of survivor is so much more valuable than the prize, like the, the prize money. I think there's, there's just been a huge shift in the value of that title. So I don't know the money. It is what it is. I appreciate you saying that I'm going to record this clip and play it at survivor at home. Cause we in fact give zero prize money to anyone. <laughs> Cause we have oh, no that's budget. news. That's, that's news to me. <laughs> you get that. Are, you, are you still waiting on a prize? Uh, check, checks, in, checks in the mail, right? Yeah. That's what we tell people. It's for the glory of winning survivor, but <laughs> um, thank you, John Wani for that great soundbite, but it actually is. I would agree with that. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it, there's something, on those weekends a survivor at home for those that have played and those that are listening and wondering what this is about it's, it really is an incredible weekend recreation of, of a, a, a survivor-esque event with games and social strategy but when you make it to the end i remember lynette even who she'll be on the podcast next week with josh a winner's round table which would be really cool um Anyway, Lynette, I remember her saying right after she won, she's like, this is crazy. She's like, I don't think I'll ever do this again. And that's a two-day event, right? And it just shows yeah. you the, how real that is and how and exciting that is to win that. But again, imagine the real show. all like Almost a month now on the island that they play. Just, yeah. I can't even begin to imagine what that would feel like to, to become as, the winner. As Jeff Probst said in this episode, he really does have the best seat it's the most interesting to be out there and just get to enjoy all that, see everything that's going on. And be oh, behind man. The I want to be his that's... intern. Oh yeah. I'll be his intern too. Can you have two interns? Jeff Probst, if you're listening, you, we got two interns here ready to go for you. Um, into tribal council, the pace is picking up now. Now we're playing. It always feels like as soon as the merge happens, everyone's got to kick it into a next gear, find your footing, get going. Some, half of the people in this in the game haven't even been to travel council yet and still mm-hmm. a bunch of them aren't even eligible to be voted out the biggest question now for me is where is this idol sitting there's almost no way it's in xander's pocket but they're all playing up like it is where is this idol going to be sitting and what's liana going to do because she's made it clear she's going to go for that idol at um, at this tribal council madness looks like 12 people who don't know who to trust but know who they want to trust was a version of a line that Tiffany said. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this tribal council is, is madness. It was crazy. Um, Can I ask what, what would you guys do if, so you're looking at Xander and then Evie even says 
I think, I don't know if it's Jeff that draws it out, but she basically confesses that I feel like my name has been thrown out there, but it's okay. Cause um, my, I don't know if she says my brother or my friend or my buddy, Xander's got brother. my back. My, yeah. Little brother. He's got my back. So um, if, if, if you hear that, and if you're in the other group that was targeting them, what would you, what would go through your mind? Cause you gotta be like, okay, that's too obvious, but then what? When was the last time in Survivor that someone held up an idol and said they're going to play it and that was 100% truthful? Well, sorry, to that question specifically, that does happen where they'll be like, they want to like sway people and it doesn't sway things. But I get where you're getting at is is it's over the top, obvious. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, if you're, if you're in the, if you guys are in the group of the people who are voting, going for them and then that comes out do you not think that maybe it's a fake idol like obviously they didn't but does that come to mind for you it was a pretty good fake idol though like he did a really good job it was almost like joe quality like joe was a jewelry maker right that was his profession that they said his fake idol was awesome i thought xander's was it looked really real and he was so smart to keep the clue with it so i think like the performance of the the whole thing was well done. Like, I think they set it up really well. Yeah. It was over the top. So it was obvious what was going on. But one thing that we did not discuss, and I think we just need to take a moment to appreciate is we still have no idea what Heather's voice sounds like. Like, <laughs> who is she? Does anyone even remember she's playing? Like, we don't know anything about she, her. She was going to come she, up. She was going to come up in about three minutes when we get it's a little bit hysterical. further into tribal council. Every time she comes on the screen, you're like, who is she? Did someone bring their mom? Like, why, why is this lady there? Is she like from the filming crew? And then the other thing that we really need to take a moment and appreciate is Sydney's quote, because she's just so full of herself. Like, I don't like her to the point that like almost at the voce, voce could not stan voce and i think sydney's in that same category you didn't like I know, voce either I, you have another no. anti-voce oh, I know. Man, I stand up for your fiance because her her little line <laughs> about how annoying i i was cheering in my car as i listened to that part <laughs> of the podcast i was like get rid of him because the are, only reason why no. i didn't like him is if you read his bio on the on the website that talks about like he he was just so pompous talking about how he doesn't like inefficient people and i was just like oh he's gonna be a great villain to hate and they didn't play it up enough but i i really think he is um aren't you criticizing heather right now who's inefficient aren't you doing the same thing what are you saying aren't you criticizing heather who's super inefficient right now are you not voce didn't like no i know you're criticizing voce for being critical of people who are inefficient Oh, oh yeah. yeah, and you just yeah, literally totally said that. But I also am judging him because I think he looks like oh. David from Schitt's Creek. This, That's also a controversial. Well, we watched some of it. It's a yeah. very popular show, and that they filmed actually where my uh, in-laws live, literally around the corner from there. Oh, wow. So, right. so um, family ties there. We're basically because they filmed in the same area. We we know them, and we're good friends. But anyway, that's a sidebar. Your point is. That Heather... oh, yeah. So I don't like Sydney, don't and like I Sydney. really liked yeah. her quote when she was talking about how obviously she's a threat because she says because I'm me, 
And I was just like, oh, that is such a good line for someone who's so into themselves. And and she even <laughs> admits that she's so self-involved. And I was like, good for you. You're just like one of those awful self-absorbed people, but you own it. And so like, that's just that good for you. Like, I just, I enjoyed that whole moment. Okay, let's it's, throw that out there. It's, I, I put it in the category of sad, to be honest. And I appreciate you bringing it up because- it is interesting with characters like that because you hope on the show Survivor they they'll they'll create some. Re- this is my Enneagram Nine. I hope I hope yeah. that they'll have there'll be a redemptive moment for her where she comes to her senses. But the truth is, some people, at least in the time that we see them, are are not going to change, right? And you do hope right. that she she finds some clarity in her life because that's I don't feel like that's a good way to live your life. Um, yeah, but uh in that show she doesn't change like even over the course of those days she really just sticks to that script and even as she gets voted off she is very petty in her comments there it's her persona and i'll be i'll i'll just like clear like just give some context to my rage towards her my rage is towards the character of sydney not like who she probably actually is as a person because i bet you she's going to watch this and just feel awful and feel like they edited her edited all of her scenes and made her look like just an awful person and in and they they showed all her shades you know or her shadows where she was nowhere at the depth of do you remember a few the the season with abby And Denise, where Denise calls her Abby the selfish mess. I just loved that whole interaction because Abby was such a mess. And Denise is like a psychotherapist or something. And just was like, oh, I just, I love that whole thing. She gives me a bit of an Abby vibe. See, the thing is that for me, the difference was that Sydney didn't seem to show that too much to her tribe mates. Like she said Mm. that behind the scenes a lot which you see sometimes, but when it came to her tribe mates, she had to play the social game, had to play with right. them and, and try to work with them um, versus Abby, like at least the editing cut, but it seemed yeah. by her attitude, didn't understand that about herself. Sydney understands as well right. in yeah. her, in her being a little bit full of being more than a little bit full of herself, understands that that could also be seen as a threat by others. And so I don't need, I don't want to show that and doesn't show that to everyone that this is what's internally going on in her mind. There's a little bit of self-awareness there versus Abby ha- didn't have the self-awareness that this was even going on. I, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate the character that Sydney is because she's an athletic build. She's confident in herself. It comes across sometimes as a little more cocky, but um, confident in herself and what she's doing. And unfortunately, I think that at the end of the day, her social game didn't get her as far as it needed to. And, and that was the, uh, yeah. that's a, a cause of her getting getting voted out here but um but yeah i'm not as bullish against sydney clearly as as you guys are um in uh in being happy that she's she's voted out i appreciated the character and found that she didn't show that to our other tribe mates at least all the time like um right. they were able to they because they had bigger problems with erica who there's no way that erica is coming across as full of herself or right. uh overconfident whereas sydney could and they had a lot bigger problems or uh have a lot more against erica than they did against sydney um but at the end of the day she she didn't play it well and 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 here we are sydney's out of the game um liana asks for xander's idol which i'm hoping that we all knew based on the edit he didn't have in his hands because there's just no way that they play it up this much knowing liana has that advantage she asked xander for the idol hoping he's 
bluffing that he's not bluffing. I don't like a weird twisted um, reality at this point. He doesn't have it, which my second out loud cheer, I can't remember what it was, but there was a vote out a couple of episodes ago. No, it wasn't the vote out. It's funny you say that. I was literally thinking the same thing. Good wavelength, Ron. When, when Nasir, when they did the flashback to Nasir getting the idol, that was the out loud cheer moment. This was, was, you're right. This is the second one. The, the out second, loud cheer of like this is such a cool moment to see. He doesn't have it. Tiffany has it, which I I figured she would have it. They didn't share that right. Oh, they did because they cut back. They did the flashback, shared that he had given both of his advantages, which was actually smart thinking. No, I would have mm-hmm. split the advantages. Yeah, I would have said you should have split the advantages. Give the extra vote to Evie. Give Tiffany the idol. Split it. But if you didn't have a lot of time to think about that, that's fine. But both of them go to Tiffany. She's got them. Leanna's advantage is done. This advantage that was more powerful than anything in the game. By the way, shout out to myself here. I'm going to go Sydney. Shout out to myself here. I said he should have. Ta- she should have taken. Leanna should have taken Nasir's idol from the beginning. I said she should have taken it, not Xander's. And here we are. She didn't take Nasir's. She doesn't have an idol, and she doesn't have an advantage anymore. Anyways, that might get cut later. Um, <laughs> we keep all prideful statements. Oh on, boy, on here we podcast. go. I'm yeah. now overthinking one, like John Juan does. Um, so I, I, I gotta ask. Oh, go, go ahead, Jordan. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say now all madness ensues. The idol is alive, Evie is deemed safe at this point. Madness ensues, and everyone goes everywhere to chat. I like the live tribal, I don't like that we don't get any information, but realistically, we don't get any information anyways from these conversations, whether they're at camp or not. I love the I think the live travel is fun. I think you get more information. Yeah. You get to see who's talking with who, which was see who's talking to who, who goes, who gravitates to who, who's kind of seen as a leader whose voice is picked up again. I know there's still editing there, but this came up a few episodes ago on our podcast and even responding to some people on Twitter who are critical of the live tribals, even wanting survivors Mm -hmm. to take it out. I, I don't, I'm like, I don't understand that line of thinking. It's, it's so, in your face it's so heated it's so intense um you never know what could happen there so i i love it um i love seeing them getting up and moving around and and kind of the two groups even forming and they got mics on everyone now anyway so mm-hmm. yeah, i thought that was them. interesting too because i haven't seen that before in a live tribal that i can remember where like i've seen the whispering and all the scattering but I haven't seen the actual like physical division of mm-hmm. big group versus small group. You're right. Because there's like, like I I don't think that Sydney realized how how much she was on the bottom. Like I thought that yeah. was a really interesting turn of events where suddenly Nasir, who earlier in the season appeared to be on the outs with this tribe, suddenly she's kind of cast out with the riffraffs i just thought that was brilliant and then i was happy that like nuclear tiffany was just kind of pushed out of the big group so what was funny is the only thing we got to hear from tiffany the entire episode was there are two groups behind her talking and she's talking about how she's overwhelmed to jeff was the cover he's asking her while she's sitting on a stool and everyone else is in behind having conversations and she's talking about being overwhelmed. I think that was what it was. I was writing notes as we were going. So, um, but yeah, she's expressing, she's feeling overwhelmed or everything's happening all around her. And it's like, Tiffany, we need, we need you here. We, we got to, this episode's going along here. We're in the middle of it. Um, we need you to, to fall, fall in line here. Deshaun's now feeling heat as well. He knows that if we go after, 
Evie and Nido gets played for her, guess who's going home? It's it's me. It's Deshaun. Um, and he's feeling the heat. You've got the big group. The big group starts to talk about splitting the vote, which then I'm going to my mind with the math. Xander's got an extra vote. Why would you split it? You open up for something dumb to happen. I always refer to something dumb happens and then someone goes home. You don't want them to go home with all these extra votes that are out there. Um, they must have They must have also, I, I assume Deshaun, or did he know he had his extra vote or did he not know that until he got into the tribal or into the voting booth? I didn't understand that because there was a the paper note there, there right? Yeah. What did that note say? Did anyone catch on to that? Because I didn't catch on to what that note said. That was the, you, you've got your extra vote. That was from the Oh, risk. it was just simply, you can just use it now. You have an extra yeah. vote and you can use it now. I, oh, okay. It but, said something about how you, you, you risked your vote and it paid off. Yeah, I think oh, that's where he recapping what he did. But is yeah. that where he found out about it, or did oh, he know? Oh, yeah, because he hadn't been to tribal council yet, and you find out yeah. at tribal council that you get the extra vote. Yeah, because we saw that with I think JD and someone else too, where Good they're call. at the thing. He's like, yes, okay, I got it. So, is that right, or am I making that up? It, no, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, they don't find out until until they get into tribal council if okay. it's the extra vote. So that is interesting then. So he, as they're talking in their group of eight versus four the yep. eight he wouldn't have known they would have had an extra vote they knew do they know xander has an extra vote i think so they, right? some yeah. of at least some of them know he's got an extra vote so cause... then to split a vote is a risky decision yeah but did you moment. notice Very that risky. he played both of his votes well like, he did he but that's what... both votes for evie evie he did but sorry that's what we're saying john one is he as they're congregating in that group of eight and talking about splitting the vote at that moment he didn't know he had for sure an extra so vote. if you take think, out his extra right. yeah if you take out his extra vote they they just committed to voting sydney because they had five votes on sydney and neither of his votes were on sydney and he was the only one that used an extra vote so they mm -hmm. just committed five of them to voting to vote right. sydney out. so if they played the, the idol game. on sydney deshaun's gone deshaun had he not yeah played the extra vote played the extra vote Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. He would have been because he would have had more votes than than Evie. But I thought, okay, so I didn't really like Deshaun going into this episode because I just anyone who tries to like persuade people to throw a challenge when you're that far ahead, I was just like, come on, what are you doing? But Thank this, you, John Wane. But he did a really good job at Tribal. I thought he did a great job of trying to throw Evie under the bus to help himself move forward. I thought, I yeah, this episode, he showed like layers of stuff that have been hidden. And I was like, oh, this guy's good. There's actually some good stuff going on here where he's, he's, he's not dumb. <laughs> he's been, he's been thinking, he's been thinking the game and wanting to, to get going. And we get to see here, like he's feeling heat in this moment, but he's also, he's also thinking ahead and, and doing what he wants to do. Um, the votes fall and or everyone goes up to vote xander now there's this moment of are we going to play the idol who are we going to play it for what's going to go down this is one thing i don't know xander clearly stated don't play the idol don't play the idol don't play the idol he he was clear on that he also it's bad for his game if evie goes out it's it's really bad for his game if evie goes out is he willing to sacrifice evie to keep that idol in his possession or is he so confident 
that the votes are not going to go Evie's way, that somehow he knows maybe Shan has told him, maybe Leanne has told him, maybe someone else has told him where their votes are going to go, that he just knows Evie's safe in the first place. Like, which one, which one is it? Does he know that Evie's safe or does he just, is he just willing to sacrifice her to keep that idol and, and have to play it again? He has to know. He's got to know. Like, I'm convinced that he does because I think he does have these under underground relationships with Nasir, with Danny, and I think Shan. I'm hoping Shan because I, I want the two of them to, to go far. Um, but I, I really think he has to know because his confidence in, in protecting that idol was brilliant and just like really calmly played. So then if he knows, follow-up question, if he knows, why doesn't he also vote for Sydney to ensure that she gets more votes? Hmm. Right? Because one, if you, if you, if someone tells you there's five votes going on Sydney, four votes going on Evie, and then you guys are voting wherever you vote, why would you not also vote for Sydney to add an extra vote in case someone strays or, or to build up that number on Sydney since you don't have a chance to get out Deshaun? Right. If oh, he knows it's know. just, a, yeah, it's a weird dynamic. Right. Okay. You know, what else would be a wonderful weird dynamic that I'm hoping happens is that next episode we hear from Heather and she ends up being like a complete psychopath, like clan member and just like stirs up the game. Cause I'm, I'm just waiting for something unexpected. Like they've so kept that all is, of her little testimonials quiet because she's a loose cannon, and then they're just gonna let it all out. She's a nutso. So that is two <laughs> for everyone listening at home and following along and playing with their bingo card. That is one Mario Kart reference and one conspiracy theory that Heather is a complete psychopath in this game. If you had those on your bingo card, check those I, off. I almost brought a Mario them. Kart a second time because there's some good <laughs> comparisons there, but I left it. I didn't want to lose any non Kart fans, which should be few in number. But yeah, you never know with Heather. It's it's unlikely. We kind of gave her a chance that one episode a few weeks back where she did have some a little bit of airtime and it didn't didn't work out too well for her. It didn't, it, didn't it, go perfectly. No, it almost seems like she like wasn't their first choice and someone canceled and they, they brought her on as a backup and yeah that again, was Tiffany. <laughs> Yeah, that was Tiffany, but yeah. Tiffany's proving her worth. Heather, yeah. Heather is is just mailed it in, right? She's just not making any case for herself, which is it's unfortunate, right? It's not a personal thing, but it's just it's just they're gonna keep dragging her along. She'll be she'll be in for a while. She'll probably be in the end, right? She's a goat to yeah. be to be brought, or she's a mole. Like that would be or another thing where she's just like planted by production to just kind of hobble about and then she's going to do something crazy. Yeah. There's like, love, a, I'm, go I'm ahead. loving John Wani's off the top rope. Like this is the conspiracy. This is what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's watch it. Yeah, there's like a well place. thought out plan too. Of what's yes, gonna happen. absolutely. Yeah. Or just like one night she's going to punch people in their sleep yes. and then it's going to like turn into this whole physical assault. Like what if question. I, like a squid game like what if i get them all to yeah. like just be disqualified because i make get, get them all medevac by doing things in the night to them to get them injured yeah um, or heather's actually see ya wow the opportunities wow. are we're going down many rabbit trails here we've gone I, down a rabbit trail i got one last, more go ahead give me one more rabbit trail here but it's important because it's one that people were thinking before 
Where do the beads come from for these fake idols? They're not given much, <laughs> but every season there's there's these opportunities to create fake idols, and I'm pretty sure it's not taken from anything else. I, I don't know. Do you guys know the answer? Is there a kit that anyone has access to? A fake idol making kit? I have no. I have no idea where where those would come from in there. No, I have no idea is the quick answer. Maybe on reward, if they win a food reward, maybe there's decorations that they can use. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, or he just steals something. Like there's things all over the place. I feel like he's just sticky finger, throw something in but your this pocket. But this has happened. Fake idols have been around for quite a while now. Yeah, there's only ever been one fake idol kit, right? Just the one on Island of the Idols. And outside of that, right. there's never a fake idol kit, but everyone always seems to have a fake idol. Uh, interesting i have no idea where those beads um where those beads come from yeah or shells i don't know the shells are easier because they're on the ocean the shells yeah the shells that makes sense but um yeah the beads and the decorations one one last thing a major topic of conversation this season has been the shot in the dark sydney used it and got voted out because she could have voted for Evie and tied the vote, which would have assured her safety because everyone would have definitely re-voted Evie. She used her shot in the dark, loses her vote, and misses out, gets voted out by one singular vote. Um, that, that is the, that's the tough part about the shot in the dark is you've got to know you're going home if you want to play it. Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with using it at that point. And she, I know even in her, her confessional, she said that after. I mean, you know that you're one of the, the few to likely go. You feel like you feel like your time is up. Mm -hmm. I could see yeah. myself playing it at that point as well. And who knows? Even if there was a tie and a revote, maybe they pick her. So, yeah, why not? Yeah, you, you, I just think you have to make the best decisions you can with the information you have. So, like, I'm gonna avenge your sister, Andrew, because I know that there, she takes a lot of heat for not playing idols properly in Survivor at home. But I feel like based on the information you have in the game when you're playing, you only have part of the story, you mm -hmm. know, and it's not true. Your part of the story isn't true. It's just what people have chosen to reveal to you. And so I think it's interesting because like she's freaking out. She's on the bottom and she really wants to like make it to the to the merge and everyone wants to make it to the merge. So you're going to do whatever you can to get there. And so I thought it was, I thought it was a smart play for her because she had no idea where things were going to go. And like, honestly, she knows that Xander and Evie are tight. So like, if anyone's going to get saved, it's going to be Evie. It's not mm -hmm. her. Like, I thought that was a smart play. It just didn't work. Yep, absolutely. I agree with that. Well, there, uh, there we are. Andrew, anything else to add on for the end of the, uh, the episode? I do. I want to ask John Wani, can we, without revealing too much, because I do want to respect people's confidentiality, but generally speaking, would you consider playing in a future season, maybe even Survivor at Home season four? Um, I, or are I you too scarred I'm... from a third place finish? Yeah, like I don't think... Um... Well, first of all, I was robbed. <laughs> I was robbed. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I think I would, I don't think I would ever play like real Survivor, but Survivor at home, 100%. 
I totally would play again. It was just so fun. And I think it's given me a deeper appreciation of the real survivor because there were so many moments where I was like, it's an experience, you know what I mean? And I thought it was so fascinating. I'm just going to do a little sales pitch here for Survivor at home because um, I, I'll be honest, I went into it thinking like, oh, cool, I'm going to hang out with some Survivor nerds for a few days online. And it's going to be this like kind of weird Zoom experience. And then within three minutes, I was like, whoa, <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? This thing's nuts. Like, who made this? And it was just so cool because it was, there were so many things that just blew my mind and it gave me a real actual experience of the game. And it, it, it didn't feel less than, it felt like a perfect natural extension to the game that you see on TV. And so, yeah, totally, it was fun. And I think um, to like, for me to come back I have to play differently than I did the first time because I am a different person. I'm going to be perceived in a whole different way. And people are, they're just aware of some of my tricks. At least some people are. And so yes. that's going to be that. Yeah, Jordan. Oh, so Jordan appears to want to play. Well, um, the reality is your people, there are going to be people listening right now who are going to be competing against you if you do apply. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's awesome. But I, I honestly think that the game, like you you can't figure out how you're going to play until you're playing it. Mm. And then it's just fun. You just decide as you go. And my game changed a billion times. So I remember there were a few pivotal moments where I was the middle, like I was the, the deciding vote. I was the swing vote. People thought I was like a wishy-washy person who was just kind of going with the numbers like Jordan, but I was not wishy-washy. I knew where people were and I was calculating what are my chances of getting further if I go with these people or these people. And so that was super fun. And I see that playing out in real Survivor. So like Leanna, I see her battling with who does she go with? So yeah, totally. I would play again. It was so much fun. And yeah, see what happens. So to confirm for the record, I made two comments in the final tribal council on your game. One was that I had no idea. It looked like from my perspective, you didn't know what you were doing and didn't know what was going on, but you in fact did know. And I needed you to explain that. And I knew you did know, but I needed you to explain yeah. that because that was part of your strategy on being like, oh, what's going on? Really? You knew. The second thing was you always voted right, which is a huge compliment to someone um, in Survivor, in my opinion, is you may have flipped back and forth, but you always voted right, which is hugely important. Like you said, knowing where the votes go um, and not tagging along with that, but in certain circumstances, being the deciding vote and dictating how you want to go forward. You're presented with two options. You got to make the right choice because if you pick one option, you could get voted out the next tribal council. And so mm -hmm. you not only were the swing vote in deciding it, but you had to pick the right person for your game to move you forward. So that was a compliment. Uh, just for the record, I needed to throw <laughs> that out here. Thank um, you. But well, I didn't well actually vote right all the time because I voted right. for Alex once and I was the outlier vote and that put a target on me and a, a weird conflict of someone that I actually wanted to work with. Right, yeah. and then you had to fix that for the rest of the game and, and there you yeah. are. John Wane, thank you for coming on. Congratulations on making it to the finals in Survivor at Home. That is a huge accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. It is not easy to get to, especially in a season that felt like it was all over the place. You earned your way there. Absolutely. 
absolutely participated in voting me out, which I will still be bitter for, for fun, um, <laughs> for a while. And can I make uh, a but, little plug, Jordan, just for, uh, yeah. and I appreciate John Wani, you, you sharing that about the game, the, the season four, we call it a season. It's the event weekend, January 21st and 22nd. We do, uh, have applications open now in survivor at home.com. Uh, typically we keep it to people who are like friends or friends of friends, someone who can give us a bit of a reference, but if you are listening and you're interested in playing and you love survivor and you can commit a full crazy weekend, just be in touch. Even if you don't know someone that's played already and we can, we can talk and see if that might be a fit. And John, why do you, it made me think when you said that, that I don't know if this will ever happen, but the, the that reality that you started to play thinking it's just like a fun kind of social event, play some charades with people on zoom. And then suddenly you're like, well, this is actually kind of like the real, a taste of the real thing. Um, just a pipe dream. But I would love, you know, if there's anyone listening who is connected with the real production team, um, you know, we have thrown around the idea, like what, what would it be like to start this like a, as like a grassroots thing, you know, that people would play this game and build up the love of Survivor at a grassroots level. Um, and then maybe even that filters into the, to the real thing. But just to, to grow the love of the game, in in because people again coming out of the pandemic just absolutely love doing these kind of game nights and events anyways so just that came to mind as well that that there certainly is a desire to explore what what mm -hmm. else this could be and how we might run events like this for other people in the future survivor at home on its way to be partnering with survivor cvs we'll see how we can make that possible jeff probst Come, come find us. You know where we are and we will, uh, we'll work with you. But yeah, so it's such a good, I love the word you use, John, when I extension of survivor, it's not the same game. It's different. It's played differently. It's obviously in hugely different contexts, but it is an extension of the game and the, the core principles of who do you trust? When do you trust them? When do you let them go all come in and survivor at home it was an absolute blast for the two weekends that I've played. I know Andrew, although it's probably a ton of stress on you, it's an absolute blast as well to play. And John Wanna, I believe that you had a ton of fun playing it as well oh, yeah. um, in, uh, in survivor at home season three. And so we will be back next week, survivor at home, the podcast tease it already earlier in the episode winners round table uh, for the first time. Uh, I think ever we're going to bring all three, of the survivor at home winners together, which I'm excited to be a part of uh, next week. You can find us on Spotify for podcasts, Apple podcasts. I also got reminded we are on Google uh, play podcasts as mm -hmm. well. So needed to give that uh, a shout out survivor at home.com is the website. You can find us on Twitter as well at Ironside, Andrew at Jordan B Timpson. Um, give us a shout, give the podcast a like review us. And we are excited to talk to you next week. Survivor season 41 episode eight we'll talk to you then go diaper flag <laughs> <laughs>